It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Hello to all. Welcome to Divas That Care Network. I am Joyce Benning, and I will be your host for this invigorating and informational, robust lifestyle show. I want to thank each one of our listeners, as I am very grateful for each one of you. And I am just overly excited today to have my returning monthly diva with me, Kate Milligan. And she is going to speak about what to consider when considering an equine certification program. This will be very valuable information, I know. Kate, could you please introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself today? Sure. Thanks for having me, as always. You're so welcome, Kate. (laughs) So I am an equine-partnered life and business coach, which essentially means that I pair horses and humans together in personal and professional development and mental and emotional wellness. And I work close to Boulder, Colorado, but I also work virtually and travel to other people's ranches as well. Um, And I also do healing and animal communication work too. And so I'm excited to also talk about certification today because I am launching uh, an equine, essentially an equine partner coaching certification called Awakening with Equines. And so uh, I'm excited just to dive into this world of what does it mean to be certified and what's important as you consider a program. Oh, wow, Kate. Wow. You are you are such a busy person. It is just unbelievable everything you're doing, and I love it. Well, I am so excited, too, to be learning on what to consider on this equine certification program. So I'm just going to let you take it and start sharing with our listeners what you feel led to share with them today. Thanks. Yeah, I thought of five different areas, and we can kind of pause after each and, and see if there's any questions or anything else. Um, the first that I thought about is uh, who you want to serve. And not everyone knows this when they start, but essentially if you're a therapist or a coach or an educator and you have uh, a greater desire to serve a certain type of group in the public, right, for instance, veterans or mm-hmm. um, disabled and autism, uh, you know, and special needs, or corporate, you know, there's different types of groups. And so there's different certifications that I feel like fit into different into different groups. And there's some certifications that really do a great job, you know, helping all uh, all essentially providing information that would help you serve any group, right? And some mm-hmm. groups are definitely, I find, better fit for mental health practitioners that have other trainings such as um, their licensed counselors, uh, social workers, therapists, psychotherapists, um, 
And that they, you know, what happens is people do need an education around trauma and an education around how to specifically work within counseling skills for some of the that clientele. And then they may be looking mm-hmm. to get more horse experience. So I think it's important, first and foremost, just to know who you want to serve. And even if you don't have one group, even if you have multiple or if you have a sense, um, it's important just to, to know who you want to serve and then also to know what you have in your background that you already feel solid in, in terms of your skill sets as well. Um, and that kind of gives us a lens right off the bat if we're looking more at EAP, which is Equine Assisted Psychotherapy, or EAL, which is Equine Assisted Learning and can be more general in the coaching and education space. So they're a little bit different, um, and so I think that just getting pen on paper and knowing first where where you're at in terms of who you ideally want to serve or who you're currently serving and maybe who you want to expand into. So hopefully that makes sense. Oh, yes. Oh, that that very well makes sense. And the first thing when you said is who you want to serve, it just brought to my heart that when you're looking at it that way, you are looking at being service to others, to being helpful to others and showing your gratitude towards them by choosing kind of uh, being in service to others. So I just love that, how you stated that as who you want to serve and then went in to explain what the different categories are. Yes, that is that is incredible. That is a great way to share with our listeners how to look for that. But I did did really catch that right away. It's a feeling of the person that is certified is wanting to serve and not just be there to the paycheck, as sometimes people say, but you're there to serve others. And I love that thought. <laughs> that yeah, was something that came to mind. Yeah, and most of us in this field are really doing this because we we love people and we love horses and we want to combine Mm -hmm. that. And we often are drawn to groups that we ourselves have had challenge or pain in, right? I find uh, some get into working with domestic violence because they themselves have been through that or they get into, um, you know, uh, childhood abuse because they've been through that. And for Mm -hmm. me, I really wanted to serve corporate when I started because I had been through a lot of pain in corporate America in different, you know, working in a boys club or trying to be a man and all these Mm -hmm. different things that were not working for me and the stress and the adrenal burnout and all of that. So I was really drawn to work with corporate because, A, I had that language and that understanding of corporate culture, but I also knew that, you know, I wanted to almost help others so that they didn't go through the pain that I went through. So it is a service-oriented field for sure. Uh, You know, it is expensive to own horses, but it's not always (laughs) off the bat. Uh, You know, the money does not necessarily come in the way it would in a corporate setting uh, when we're working Mm -hmm. in an EAL field on day one. We have to build. Like any business, we do have to build it. Um, But the... The second one is really about what skills people have that they already have and then which skills that they want to get better at. So really doing some self-reflection on 
you know, you may have excellent horse skills, you've been a lifelong horse person, but you don't necessarily have the counseling or coaching skills and know how to ask great questions and know how to reflect emotions and feelings for people um, or how to hold a container of safe space for people. So there's, there's people skills that you need, but you have the horse skills. Or mm-hmm. it might be the opposite. And you're a trained therapist or coach, but don't necessarily have the horse skills uh, and need to do that. Or there's some folks that are not necessarily versed in either, and they really need to start from um, the beginning and really learn a foundation of what works best. So the one thing also I find is that a lot of um, folks in the EAL space don't necessarily have marketing or business skills as well. So that's why my CERT program definitely has that because, A, that's my background, 15 years of of corporate marketing and also nonprofit marketing. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important for people to have those skills because we are running a business. Uh, I see a lot of people treating this as a hobby. And because of that, they're not really – they don't get started um, they may do a session occasionally, and yet they, they're frustrated because they really want to be doing this full-time. A lot of people also want to leave their current job and do this full-time, and I want them to be able to have a pathway to do that so that they can be in this full-time if this is of their choosing. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to know the different skills. And then the other skill, which you and I have talked about before in the, on the show, is around animal communication. And I think that that's a skill that a lot of people don't have in the EAL and EAP space. Uh, they might be really good at being human-centric and knowing how to help a client, which is great, but at what expense to the horse? And is the horse really a partner then or is the horse being used? I hear that word a lot. We're using our horses. It's just a form of language, but it's it's important mm-hmm. for us to rethink that and really think mm-hmm. of them as partners and also to communicate directly with them. So to enhance our animal communication skills, which is why I put that in my certification program too, because I think that's critical. Uh, so, um, Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I just love that on the skills, on your self-reflection and then how you came around to the end of having the horses as your partner. They are just like a human being partner. They are your partner in this. And I love that, that you're you're looking at them that way and you're teaching the people that want to become certified to also look at the horses in a whole new light, learn the animal animal communication and learn what they're telling you and consider them as your partner because that's that's exactly what they are. Our animals are our partners, our horses. And Oh, that is beautiful. Yes, I love the skill set mind that you have. That is, that is incredible. And the marketing too to help people that want to do this because it is a business and how to help them to market it. You're bringing out some great points. This is awesome. <laughs> Oh, good. Thanks. I think it's important, too, that people understand that they're not just getting a certification for a piece of paperwork because I I think a lot of people say they think they need that. It's like some validation stamp. What to me is the most validating is actually feeling like you are confident and successful in a session and the clients and the horses are all happy. That, to me, is the validation and the piece of paperwork You know, in my master's program, they used to say this piece of paper that you have for graduation 
is truly this master's degree. This all it is is it's saying that you can do the work that we've taught you to do the work that you mm-hmm. have embodied it that it is part of you, and I think that embodying the skills is also really important. It's not just about um, you know a three or four or five day workshop where you've learned some great things, but there's no way that you've actually integrated it, practiced it, asked questions on it. You know, it's just an introduction is what I would call it, right? So um, the third, which is one of the most important to me, is does the program truly honor the horse? And I think that, you know, when we choose to do this work with these animals, we, A, need to know are they ready for it? Do they want to do it? How do we read if they want to do it, how do we do this and not, you know, force them into this work or overwork them? Um, and really the horse welfare and horse ethics piece is incredibly important, and I think not everyone uh, covers that. But I think it's also, you know, it goes back to that piece in animal communication. Are you able to actually know how that horse is that day and um, be able to adjust to working with them? and what they want to contribute and how they want to serve and how they want to show up and can you work with them on what activities you might do and actually really make them like the CEO of your business in many ways. I've always done that with mine. Um, And does it honor the horse? And how does it honor the horse, right? And does it honor the horse just from a place of this is a prey animal and we're reading body language? That's one layer, but it's not the deepest layer. So, you know, I find to me that the animals are often doing energy work and people Mm -hmm. need to understand what that means and what it looks like and how to partner with them. Um, And it's really about inviting the best of the horse out into a session and not telling the horse what to do, which a lot of uh, I've seen even some of the best intended programs are still directing the horse what to do rather than actually asking the horse to contribute their own voice and and um, uh, opinions and contribution and energy. And so, yeah, I find that, you know, there's a lot in this space of honoring the horse that is important. And for people to really ask questions uh, of the practitioner of how they do that if it's not clear and um, how they can understand really working with different horses because I was someone that wanted to travel and do this work all over. And now I have, I've worked at over 20 barns and, you know, hundreds of horses. So Mm -hmm. I can, you know, get a sense really quickly what a horse is contributing and how to read a horse and, and, and help them be the best partner in that session or that workshop or that full day retreat, whatever it might be. So, um, yeah, I think that that's critical because, these horses need uh, uh, us humans to be the leaders in the partnership um, to really honor them and take care of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Oh, that, that's probably my favorite one yet is honoring the horse. I, that is that is incredible because so many times how do people just look at them as they're another tool and not honor them as their partner and listen to what they want to do and how they need to contribute to the session that is going on. That is that is beautiful. And a, a thought that came to my mind, do you find on maybe some certain days that some certain horses are like, this is not my day to take part yes. in this yes. session, and you honor that and let them let them do their own thing at that time? Yeah, my favorite thing is, is being able to work 
in a way where a horse has choice. They can leave an area, right? They can't always leave a round mm-hmm. pen. Um, but honoring them, they, them and um, allowing them to choose out if they need it, having enough horses ideally to do that with. And if you don't have enough horses and you're working with just one horse and they're choosing out, to allow them to. And then to be able to carry that session, right, whether it's a more therapeutic session or a more coaching session. Now, obviously, this is harder when you're talking about therapeutic riding. I don't do therapeutic riding. I don't train for therapeutic riding. Um, mm-hmm. That is past. That is another program. And if people really want to do that, I send them that way. The only thing I'll ever do on the back of a horse is the horse boy poses, the somatic poses. And it's very rare. And it's usually when it's really clear that the the human really needs it and the horse wants to offer it. But, yes, mm-hmm. they do choose out at times, just like we <clears> might want to, and it's okay. You know, one of my favorites yeah. is I was working at a barn in Austin, Texas, and I had uh, a mare stand at the gate and, you know, did not want to participate. And there was a group of us, large group, and a large group of horses, too. And so I went up to her, and I just said, do you want to do this? And she's like, no. And I'm like, okay. And I asked one of the volunteers to bring her out and bring in another mm-hmm. horse. And the other horse that came in was like, yes, this is great. And his <laughs> name was so perfect for what everyone was processing and dealing with in that moment. And it became this whole, like, what do you have to let go of that doesn't really need or want to be in your life anymore that now when you bring in this new thing, it was something like the horse's name was something like Spark Joy or something. It was one of those I forget <laughs> oh. right now or like, destiny or what you know it was perfect to bring in this new energy and let go of this other one and it it worked beautifully in the session it worked for the clients made it even more powerful and it was truly this real-time um example of you know we need to honor the horse the horse is not wanting to be here right now and that's okay Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so Wow. Yeah, that's one of my favorite stories. It worked out really well. And we have to not be so afraid of delivering to the human client that we forget the horses. I see that way too much in a lot of these yeah. programs that it's really about the humans. Um, even in the training, you know, in the cert- certification process, it's so about the practitioners. And it's like, eh, what if we can make this, you know, well, let's be equals and let's, let's figure out how we can make this work for everyone because we can. Mm-hmm. So. No, Definitely. Great. I love that story, too, because it just it went right along with what the session was going to be about, how she she needed to go out and the other one needed to come in. Oh, that that's a beautiful story to share. (laughs) It was all so fitting. Oh, I love that one, too. And I love being the CEO. Let the horse be the CEO of your business. <laughs> That's incredible. This is great. I can tell you have a lot of confidence and you, your horses are the CEO. I can feel that coming through, what you're telling us. That is just beautiful, Kate. <laughs> well, I, they will literally sometimes, especially the mares, push you out of the way if your ego is too involved or you're doing too much. And I've seen this happen <laughs> in one of my colleagues down near San Diego. Like Her mare will come in and be like, be quiet, I'm taking over. And I'm like, it's great when that happens. She totally saw it happen, and she let her take over, and her mare is, like, so powerful, you know. So I think they are really the, – the ones that I've seen work the best are really when, when the practitioners know that their horses um, can really be the ones that are in charge and holding holding uh-huh. really powerful energy and space. And so, yeah, often the horses will – 
will not engage as much if the practitioner and or the client is talking too much, right? There's too much mental energy going on. And so mm-hmm. I'll often mm-hmm. ask people to just recenter and reapproach and get quiet again. And it's, it's, uh, <laughs> and I've noticed too, if I, if a horse isn't as involved that I, there's something within me that has to change pretty quickly too. So it's really about mm-hmm. reading energy and using our intuition. And again, that's also something I've yet to see specifically in a, in a program that may be out there and I've missed it, but you know, intuition development is huge. And it's what I do with all my clients, um, private or group. So Yeah. So the other is kind of a practical one. It's about time investment. And, you know, it's really important for us to be, I know that when we want to do something, we can make the time, we can carve out the time. But with, Mm -hmm. you know, the state of the world and everything going on and people having busy lives with kids and families and, you know, businesses, and it is a lot. So for me, I think the time, we want to make sure it's not too little or too long of a time investment. So for some people, a two-year program may not work. That's what I did for my master's program. I did it while I was working a full-time corporate job. I made it happen. But I was, you know, late 20s, and it was something that I could fit. I did. I committed to it, and I, I made the time for it. And that may not be an issue at all if someone's more retired and, and they have time to do a two-year program. A five-day program is also, in my mind, like I mentioned before, not when you're going to master skills, right? And for me, having a level of mastery is important before someone is certified. doesn't mean that they're, you know, they know everything. It just means that they feel confident enough that they could hold a session and uh, achieve results for themselves, the horse, and the client and, and feel feel good about it. Um, and I don't know if many people walk out of a five-day program unless it's just a brush up and they've already been doing this work and they just wanted like one new skill. I don't know if someone is really going to feel like they can get started after that. Um, and there, you know, so I think what, how much time you have, and knowing that you're going to have to carve out some time for for practicing, for homework, for classes, in person. I think all of these programs need an in person, um, but not everyone can do a three like some of them offer three in-person sessions or more, and you're traveling quite a bit, which in today's day is a little bit harder. So I think the virtual component is important too. So that's why I really tried to do a six-month hybrid program of virtual and in-person where it's not, it's doable. If you can't commit six months to your business, then, you know, I I, mean, yeah. I don't know if it's the right time for you to launch a business then. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that, you know, some of these programs are can be too short or too long, especially if you want to get started soon and you don't want to wait two years to be able to start working. Uh, you know, I want people to actually start working soon because that's to me the best way to learn. I did not have a certification program when I started at all and I learned by by really doing and by experience and that's mm-hmm. where, you know, I got it. and that's been everything. I never took a single marketing class until I was thrown into being a marketing manager and quickly became a marketing VP just because the experience of it was so potent and what really taught me and I had to learn on the ground in the moment, ask the questions I needed to. So, yeah, that's that's the practical one. Um, and the last one is about the leader and who is running the program. Often a lot of these certification programs are led by one person. Uh, they have a team, most of them, and that supports them, but it is one person's sort of vision or worldview. 
um, which I think is really interesting. And some of them are run by groups, right? Some of the older traditional ones, they're, they've been a lot, around a lot longer, like Igala and Path, and, and they are run more by groups, a uh, group of people. Mm-hmm. So I think that if first people have to really start to tune in to do they want to learn from one person mostly that and do they feel connected to that person do they feel like that person is a good fit for them um i have heard people who get into programs and that person is it you know seems like a good fit and then was not for various reasons and so i think it's important mm-hmm. to follow along and see that person's work for a while get to know them uh watch their videos read their energy <laughs> Get a sense if they're congruent. Um, I had a client say to me recently, a client and friend, say she felt like I was one of the more congruent healers or coaches out there that she's ever met. And she's worked with quite a, quite a few people. So that was a really mm-hmm. nice compliment. And I, I do think it's important for us to look at their success level, um, their background and training, their years in practice, uh, if we feel safe with them. This work is going to bring up stuff for us no matter what so is there psychological safety with that leader um is it is it also about their the the participants or is it about them right like i've seen some Mm -hmm. of these uh groups and they really it is they make it very much about their participants and they support them and some you know it's a little bit more about them and so it's important to know that. And then most importantly, watch that participant's relationship with their horses. How are they connected to them? And how are their horses showing up? Are those horses you want to learn from as well? Um, I know for me it will be more than just my own horses. I'll be working with other people's in the program too because I want to get mm-hmm. people really connected to their horses as they do this process. So that's also an important piece too. But I kind of sped through this last one, but it's very important. Um, so do you have any comments on that or questions? Um, I, it is just saying so much. I love on the leader to watch some videos, and the thing is see if you feel connected to them. Don't just say, well, this person went to this person. I think I'll go there, too. Make that connection before you make the commitment. I think, too, that is just huge. See if see if your energies kind of go together or you connect in different ways with them and see what their relationship with the horses is. Are they just using the horses as a tool or are they putting them as the CEO? What is important to you to learn from that leader is kind of what I take it as too and uh, be connected to that leader and because it is a time commitment and you you all want to feel and the leader wants to feel too the one that is giving the class like you you want to feel that you have made a difference too in that person's life to help them to move on so those are some of the pointers I picked up from what you were saying and how I would look at it on looking at getting certified in a program like this yeah, and I think it's important to continually just do research, you know, look at the mm-hmm. different programs and kind of compare and contrast and see, you know, if you're someone that loves geek out on science language and wants to understand like neurobiology and, you know, specific right. 
you know, mm-hmm. psychological styles, then maybe there's a certain program for you that's much more science-focused. If you're more mm-hmm. spiritual and you want to understand energy and intuition and, and that, maybe there's that program. That was what I saw needing in the space. So that's what I created, having my master's in spiritual psychology. I wanted to bring spiritual psychology into the horse world. So that's why I created what I did with Awakening with Equines. But definitely attend an intro call by, you know, the program and get to know if it's a fit. Um, you know, schedule a one-on-one with the the person running it and talk to them and ask questions and feel feel into that. I did that with one of the programs and realized pretty quickly it wasn't going to be a fit for me. Um, but with another program, I did it, and I thought it was a great fit. So I ended up doing a certification with them. So. And then payment plans and make sure that, you know, you budget at least 5 to 10K for this and, you know, mm-hmm. see if a program will have a payment plan, if that's something that will help you financially as well because, um, you know, money shouldn't stop us from, from getting the education that we need. I find that we should always have education as part of our budget the way we would have a budget for necessities and fun and other things, education is important to actually keep in our budget because we want to keep growing and learning. So, Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Well, how can some of our listeners say, okay, I've really connected with Kate today. How can they get contacted you? get in contact with you because you're talking about having these programs starting that you will be teaching. How is the best way for some of our listeners to connect with you, Kate? Yeah, thanks so much. Probably the best way Mm -hmm. is through Awakening with Equine's Facebook group or Instagram at Kate Nelligan Equine Coach. Um, My website is in process of major rebranding. It's currently ConsciousRockstar.com, and you can find me that way, too. Um, And that will eventually be my name. Yeah, so happy to share more. I'll be doing a free webinar on what Awakening with Equines is in the future through Zoom, and people can sign up for that, too. And I'll be posting about that um, on social media. My Also, my public page is Kate Nelligan Equine Coach on Facebook also. Awesome. Oh, that is great. Yeah, that is great. Awesome. I just this was such great information, Kate. It was just incredible and we will definitely post your links with this show so people can connect with you and listen to it and find out how to get with you on following you and learning about your program. Well, Kate, I want to thank you so much. This time has just flown by. You gave us so much information. I have a whole page of notes that I wrote down on this. This was just (laughs) awesome. I enjoyed it so much. (laughs) Oh, good. I'm happy to hear that. And I hope it helped because I talked to a lot of uh, people who want to know more about certification. And and I think Mm -hmm. this is a good thing to listen to just to get a sense of even what to ask and what to look for when when you're considering. So. Yes, yes, and you did an excellent job of bringing up those five points for them to concentrate on and ask and to think about for themselves. So thank you again so much, Kate, for being my guest again. This was awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Joyce. I always appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. And I want to thank all of our listeners for listening to this very informational and incredible interview with Kate Nelligan. Be sure to tune in each month to hear more valuable information that Kate Nelligan will be sharing with us. 
And be sure to check out all the other hosts and their shows on DivasThatCare.com. Have a fantastic day. Be kind to all and give your animals that great big extra hug and share your love with them too. And until we connect again on Robust Lifestyles, stay strong and healthy. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.